Turret. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The year was 1996. The famed Robert H. Bork, United States Court of Appeals judge, had written a nonfiction book called Slouching Towards Gomorrah. Slouching Towards Gomorrah. Bork contended that the rough beast of decadence now sends us slouching toward our new home, Gomorrah. He talked about a variety of social, cultural, and political experiences as evidence of U.S. cultural decline and degeneracy. Sexualization of mass media, the legalization of abortion, pressurize, a pressure to legalize assisted suicide and euthanasia, feminism, and the decline of religion. All of those things he included in his book in 1996, one year after we launched Viewpoint, to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Do you think perhaps we might have been on to something at that time? Do you think perhaps God might have been on to something to urge me to leave the practice of law at the height of my career in 1993 to form Save America Ministries to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom, to woo and to warn our country, our countrymen, starting with the body of Christ and her leaders, and then to the nation as a whole? I think so. But today on Viewpoint, you're going to see, you're going to hear just how poignant that is and was. You're going to hear just how far-reaching that would make Judge Bork blush with untold shame because what he wrote about then, slouching towards Gomorrah, is now a running broad jump or a running long jump right into the very heart of Sodom. And so today on Viewpoint, you're going to hear about that, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And if Jesus warned in the book of Luke, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be just before his second coming. And if he also warned in the very same passage as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be just before his second coming, it could and should be a warning to each one of us that we have been given warning now, certainly since 1996, when an appellate court judge actually warned our country about slouching toward Gomorrah. And now we're in a headlong pursuit to catapult the entire country and the world into Sodom. So what would that look like? Why would that be important? Well, Joseph Farah, the founder of WorldNet Daily, the first major Internet news site and also a Christian news site that the uh, powers that be around the world are trying to crush and have been trying to crush now for about seven or eight years, he writes today, would the discovery of Sodom and Gomorrah cause people to repent? What do you think? 
Do you think it would? Would the discovery of Sodom and Gomorrah cause people to repent? Well, you might also ask, would the discovery of Noah's Ark cause people to repent? Not on your life, my friends. It wouldn't even phase them. Wouldn't even phase them. But Joseph Farah goes on to say, quoting Second Peter chapter 2, verse 6, that God, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Ungodly in what way? Well, the number one characteristic of their ungodliness was their sexual immorality. In fact, it was homosexuality, as described clearly in the book of Genesis. Well, the description of the biblical destruction of Sodom is supported by recent archaeological discoveries, writes Joseph Farah. Dr. Stephen Collins, a Christian biblical scholar and the dean at the College of Archaeology at Trinity Southwest University in Albuquerque, New Mexico, has been excavating an archaeological site for the past 15 years. Collins collaborated with a wide range of scientific experts from diverse fields and employed the most advanced techniques to develop a comprehensive picture of the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. His results were published in the prestigious scientific journal Nature. It's a 64-page paper, and it makes a highly credible and most astounding claim. The site is located in the Jordan Valley near the Dead Sea and dates back to the Middle Bronze Age precisely the time and place where one would expect to find the ruins of biblical Sodom. Incredibly, the city unearthed there was destroyed in a unique event that seems to match the biblical account of Sodom's ruination. The way the world seems headed today, writes Joseph Farah, this seems to be the most likely time for the infamous city to be rediscovered. The biblical account describes Sodom and Gomorrah, being overturned by an act of God, a catastrophic rainstorm of fire and brimstone. And only Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his two daughters escaped with their lives, except for Lot's wife, who, contrary to the angel's warning, turned back because of her lust for and longing for the spirit of Sodom, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. In Genesis chapter 13, we learn that Abraham and his nephew Lot had pinched their tents between Bethel and Ai, which is north of Jerusalem. The shepherds were not getting along with each other, so Abraham suggested to Lot that they part their ways. And uh, Abraham gave them a choice. He said, you take this way and I'll take this, or like uh, vice versa. So Lot, the Bible says, lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. And so the Bible says, Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. In other words, he directed the further and future life of his family and those who would follow after him to a place called Sodom, the neighbor with Gomorrah. Question. Have you pitched your tent toward Sodom? I don't answer too quickly. Because in reality, 
The majority of those, even in our churches today, have in one way or another pitched their tents towards Sodom. Capitulating to the spirit of the age, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be loved, wanting not to be rebuked, wanting to fit in, and so gradually over time have pitched their tents towards Sodom. It's changing everything. It's changing everything that we said that we believed in. It's changing in the entire history of our country. So what are the implications? Maybe you think just maybe we should talk about this. Do you think just maybe there would be developments that have occurred just in the last few days that would help us to see we've not just pitched our tents towards Sodom. We've moved in big time. And we'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. So have we been uh, pitching our tents towards Sodom? That's the question before us. Have we been pitching our tents towards Sodom gradually over time? Well, indeed, we have. And I'm going to trace that for you very simply, and then we're going to take a look at what that looks like over time and leading to the events of just the last few days. So why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? That's the question for us here on Viewpoint today. And I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, it says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. Now, the, one, the only thing that is specifically described concerning the grievous sin is the attack of men in Sodom against the angels that God sent to warn Lot and his family to get out of Sodom. Because they came and knocked on Lot's door, banged on his door, and said, bring out the men that we may know them. Now, the word know in the Old Testament of the Bible, means have sexual relations with them. So when it says somebody knew his wife, it means he had sexual relations with his wife. These men wanted to have sexual relations with the angels that they did not know were angels. They just knew that they were men who had come into Sodom. Guests who had come into Sodom. And Lot said, don't do this horrible thing. Don't do this horrible thing. But they insisted. So God, through the angels, blinded these men so that they could not see and persist. But I want to lead your attention back about 15 years to an event that occurred in San Francisco. 
Now, we really don't have to go back that far to see all of these things, but we're going to go back there because an event took place that was almost identical to what happened with the men of Sodom demanding to have sex with the guests, the angels that had come to warn Lot and his family to get out of Sodom. Here's what happened. It was a Wednesday night, as I recall. People were gathered for a Wednesday night prayer service in a church there in San Francisco. And a group of sodomizers, practicing homosexuals, gathered and began to attack the door of the church. They did exactly what those in the book of Genesis did to Lot at his door. They began to bang on the door, and here's what they screamed. We want your children. We want your children. Now, the interesting thing is that the San Francisco police were all standing nearby and permitted all of this to take place. Apparently, they were all in favor of the spirit of what was taking place. The sodomization of San Francisco and the spreading of it to their children. So, why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Because their sin was very grievous. What's happening in San Francisco? It's being destroyed. Gradually. We haven't seen fire and brimstone there yet, but it is being destroyed. People are fleeing San Francisco. It's become a slime pit of human feces, Drug paraphernalia, an awful place. Jeremiah, the prophet, said this. I have seen, God is speaking through Jeremiah, and he said this. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none does return from his wickedness. They're all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Who was Jeremiah talking to? Who was God talking to through the mouth of Jeremiah? He was talking to the religious leaders, in in fact, the prophets of Jerusalem, because they themselves were committing adultery and walking in lies and strengthening the hands of the evildoers. How did they do that? By encouraging them to do the very same thing that they were doing. And what were they doing? Divorcing their spouses That's what they were doing. They were divorcing their spouses and then turning around and remarrying when their spouses were still living and doing the same thing that God warned the Israelite leaders about in the book of Malachi, chapter 2. He called it there three times, dealing treacherously with the wife of your youth. That's what he did. He called it treachery, which is a word akin, directly related to the word treason, which is an attack on the very government of God. So, when we began in late 1960s, particularly through the No Fault Divorce Act in 1968 in California, it spread like wildfire. Divorce became normalized. Up to that time, it was very unusual But then it became usual, and progressively more usual, 
until finally it was accelerated by the church embracing the very spirit that was taking place in the world. And they say, well, if the world is doing it, then if it's, if it's lawful to the world, then it must be okay. And then we began to accentuate the problem by doing what? By authorizing remarriage. When your spouse is still living, and God calls it adultery. The prophet, excuse me, the uh, apostle Paul says and warns in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, look, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators nor adulterers are going to take part in the kingdom of God. In other words, they're not going to get to heaven. That's what he said. The apostle Paul, the apostle of grace said they're not going to make it. The only way they're going to make it is through repentance. So the question then is, would the would the discovery of Sodom and Gomorrah cause people to repent? I don't think so. Because we're already into it up to our eyeballs. We are not slouching toward Gomorrah. We are catapulting our whole country and the world into Sodom. We're sodomizing the world. So why should we care today, asked Joseph Farah, about the fate of those ancient cities, Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 6, verse 11. He was talking to his disciples, and he said, Whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust of your feet for a testimony against them. Truly, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That, my friends, was a message to God's people, those who profess to be his followers. Because the pagans, as Jesus said, are condemned already. With that having been said, we want to shift now to take a look at what actually is happening just in the last two or three days in our country and from our country around the world. Anchor your seatbelt, my friends. As June dawned around the globe, so did flags making plain the Biden administration's allegiance to the LGBT movement. Multiple American embassies hoisted the rainbow-colored flag alongside the stars and stripes. In 2021, the Biden administration announced that it would abandon the one-flag policy of former President Donald Trump, who insisted that the American flag be flown alone in front of America's diplomatic outposts. But the display of flags comes as the Biden administration is pushing its agenda around the globe. What is that agenda? Advancing sodomy. Homosexuality lesbianism, transgenderism, and virtually every preceding sexual perversion known to man. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is calling for restrictions against Uganda after it it passed a law forbidding homosexuality in that country. At least the countries in Africa seem to be standing firm and repudiated Barack Obama, our former president, when he went over to Africa to try to market homosexuality and lesbianism, 
LGBTQ agenda to African leaders by bribing them with American money. And they stood up to him and said, no way, Jose. No way, Mr. President. You can debaucherize your country, but you're not going to do it to ours. And now, Nancy Pelosi, former Speaker of the House, no stranger to homosexual causes, is now to throw out the first pitch at a gay-themed baseball game. Major League Baseball's longest-running LGBTQ-themed event will take place, well, I guess it already took place yesterday. No, yeah, yesterday, the Washington Nationals night out game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Even baseball. Even baseball. In fact, in one sense, almost especially baseball now, has launched this sodomizing of our country, and through that, the world. The debasing, the degenerating of the world's morals, all in the name of freedom. What does that uh, cause you to think about the land of the free increasingly becoming only the home of the brave? It grieves my heart deeply. Because as a young boy, I had such a love for my country I knew all of not only our national anthem, but I knew all of the uh, the great songs and hymns of our nation that always turned our hearts toward God. Now our hearts are being turned particularly away from God. Did you know that? A rendition of America's national anthem by a children's choir at the U.S. Capitol was deemed a protest by police and stopped just after the words, in God is our trust. Yeah. The police, the Capitol Police deemed their singing our national motto that came from our national anthem as a protest. I want you to think about that. This is at our nation's capital in the rotunda, the Capitol Police stopped this choir from singing. They had been authorized to do it by Congress. Talk about an unbelievable case of censorship, friends. When the esteemed Rushing Brook Children's Choir was silenced by Capitol Police in the middle of singing the national anthem, when they got to the last verse, and thus be it air when free men shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation, blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause and unjust, and this be our motto, in God is our trust, and they shut them down. It was okay to sing the first verse, but not that verse. That was a protest, said the Capitol Police. Think about the implications of that. Think about the mind and heart set 
of the Capitol Police in our nation's capital that deemed the singing of the national anthem, including our national motto, as a protest rather than an expression of the heart and foundation of the country. In other words, what they were declaring was that the expression of our trust in God was pornographic. It was as if it is just a protest. It's not the right thing. It is the wrong thing. Think about it. But before we go further, I want to direct your attention to my book, Seduction of the Saints. How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Because the reality is that all of this is taking place as we've been seduced over a period of 50 years. 50 years we've been seduced into debauchery. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. It'll help to protect you and your children. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Rushing toward Gomorrah, rushing toward Sodom. That's exactly what's happening in the land of the free, increasingly becoming only the home of the brave. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And it's possible, quite frankly, that some of the things that are shared here on the program today may result in the Holy Spirit bringing conviction to the hearts and minds of uh, some listeners. That's that's a good thing, friends. That's not condemnation. That's a good thing. That's what the Holy Spirit is to do, to take the Word of God and to apply it, watching over the Word to perform it. In other words, to make it real so that we can do the Father's will. As it is written by Jesus' brother, James, He said, but be you doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But we've been engaged in massive self-deception. From the church house to the White House to the church to the schoolhouse to the courthouse, everywhere. Massive self-deception. And in many respects, it's all been about the market. And now our corporations are attempting to use their power, their economic power, their money, in order to capitulate the whole country collectively 
into the cesspool of Sodom. So, apparently they just don't learn. Now, Bud Light sponsors all-ages drag queen party, a pride party. Bud Light is sponsoring an all-ages pride event, an after-party featuring drag queens in Flagstaff, Arizona. The June 17th after-party features several famous drag queens and will take place after Flagstaff's 27th annual Pride in the Pines, and both events list Bud Light as a sponsor. And the party is open to all ages, and participants under 16 are required to have a guardian as required on the flyer. And the party will feature nine drag queens, including some of the most famous. The celebrating of the 27 years in North Arizona Flagstaff Pride's goal is that together we support, unite, and strengthen our LGBTQIA2S plus community. Notice the initials go on and on and on and on. A family-friendly pride festival in the cool highlands of Flagstaff, they say. So does this sponsorship demonstrate that Anheuser-Busch is basically giving most Americans the, as they say, the middle finger? Well, we continue. A women's only nude spa does not have the right to exclude patrons with male genitalia who identify as transgender, said a federal judge on Monday. The Washington State Human Rights Commission previously ruled that Olympus Spa violated gender identity protections by excluding patrons who identified as transgender women. So Judge Barbara Jacobs Rothstein of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Washington upheld the ruling. The spa is for women only, and patrons are typically naked while using its facilities and services. Doesn't make any difference to the court. Spa employees refuse to perform massages and body scrubs on naked men. So will this ruling cause biological women to abandon such health care spots? It's the same issue with regard to transgender, claimed transgenders entering into women's sports. Destruction of everything. Oh, but you haven't heard it all yet, friends. The Davis School District in Utah has removed the King James Version of the Bible from shelves of every school level in the district besides high school. Why? Well, the King James Bible was banned due to it not being age-appropriate because they said it contained violence and vulgarity. Eight elementary and middle schools banned the King James Version Bible. A spokesman for the district stated the Bible does not contain sensitive material as defined by Utah Code, but still pulled it from the certain schools because of age appropriateness. The committee found it contained vulgarity and violence. Now think about this. The same school district would want to keep pornographic material on the shelves of their schools and would fight to high heaven to do so. But the Bible, 
It's too vulgar and violent. In fact, the Davis County School District was on the verge of banning the Bible due to a far-left parent claiming it was, quote, one of the most sex-ridden books around, unquote. Friends, do you see what is happening? You take an inch, you compromise an inch, and it ends up being a mile and then 10 miles until there's nothing left. It started with the divorce movement in the late 1960s. It metastasized into the God is Love movement in the 1970s in our churches that embraced, contrary to the scriptures, Contrary to the historical understanding and belief of the churches of America, began to embrace remarriage when your spouse was still living after a divorce. Even though the Bible called it adultery, Jesus said whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery, and whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. But now we say, yes, but. In other words, we're doing exactly the same thing that Eve did in the garden when God spoke and Satan said, hath God said, and basically Eve said, yes, but. We're doing exactly the same thing. We've been seduced. And we're being even increasingly seduced now as more and more of our churches and our pastors even in evangelical churches, are gradually adopting the thinking that leads to, shall we say, the exaltation of the market or promotion of the gospel over the God of the gospel. So the master of our souls is now bowing to the market. The surrogate Lord that now governs life and thought from pulpit to pew. Pragmatism has become a systemic infection. It's defying even the word of truth to purge it from our immoral imagination. And in just 50 years, the market has become our master. Just try to imagine where the spirit of compromise that has captured our moral imagination will take you in the trying days ahead as we approach the second coming. That's one paragraph from my book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. I urge you to seriously consider getting a copy of this book and read it carefully. You can use it with your family. It will provide enough discussion points and prayer points for your family for two years. Guaranteed, it's absolutely loaded That's why some folk have said that to them, it was the most important book they ever read other than the Bible itself. Why? Because it was so relevant, so applicational. Help us to really get a grip on what God has to say for us. To protect us in the evil day so that having done all to stand, we can stand. An $18 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. Seduction of the Saints. How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. 
888-253-3255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. You know what? Like Solomon, we're expecting God to honor that which he says he hates and will consign our souls to hell unless we repent. You see, God honored Solomon until Solomon decided that he was too big to obey God, and he began to engage in multiple marriages that took away his heart, stole his heart, and gradually, over time, it destroyed his kingdom, and his wisdom was disgraced. Like Solomon, friends, we're expecting God to honor that which he says he hates and will consign our souls to hell unless we repent. We're losing with our power with men because we've lost our purity before God. We fear man increasingly because the fear of the Lord has waned progressively from our moral imagination. Our faith is rapidly becoming little more than an orgy of the flesh wrapped in religious robes. Pastor and people have become complicit in this wholesale capitulation to the enemy of our souls. It's true. And we just almost barely started today. CNN now writes glowing, a glowing article on women marrying themselves as symbolic expression of self-love. Love is love, they say. So fast forward to last Wednesday and CNN attempted to normalize another kind of union, one in which lonely bachelorettes are marrying themselves. CNN brought on four with a glowing article about sologamy, or sologamy, sologamy, sologamy. It actually means the practice of state of marriage to oneself. They married themselves. A deep and meaningful relationship with one's self. Women ranging from their 30s to their 80s or 70s. What a narcissistic world. Perverting the sexual purposes of marriage, even itself. And the exaltation of self, just as the Apostle Paul warned about these perilous times. Again, if you don't have the book, Seduction of the Saints, you owe it to yourself and your family, my friends. Pastors, likewise. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Are we sodomizing the saints? 
Are we sodomizing the saints? Indeed, we are. We're gradually promoting sodomy in the name of Christ. The Archbishop of Canterbury has done exactly that, and he's head of the Anglican Church all over the world. And then the Bible is now deemed to be pornography? When hell becomes heaven, and heaven becomes hell, that's where we are. And now, speaking of women marrying, from the Russian Times came this article, a mother of two, Rosanna Ramos, says her virtual partner doesn't come with baggage. She married an AI chatbot. She's from New York, 36 years old. She married her chatbot after personally creating him on an online AI companion site last year. The mother of two says she prefers her virtual partner because he doesn't judge her. God will, but her chatbot partner doesn't. A doctor is making a stunning claim now. Pregnancy is life-threatening. Now, we always knew that there was some life-threatening aspect to pregnancy and to childbirth. But now, this medical doctor is basically saying, look, these pre-born children are just clots of phlegm. And it's dangerous, life-threatening to get pregnant. So therefore, it should be life-giving to get rid of your babies. Do you see how the irrationality takes place once you've given sway to deception? It's called a reprobate mind, friends. That's what it is, a reprobate mind. Elevating that which is debaucherous and debasing that which is holy. Now, an Oregon school district is giving elementary school kids a sexual education lesson that pushed puberty blockers and introduced students to preferred pronouns. Fourth and fifth graders at Lincoln Elementary in the Olympia School District given a sexual education on May 9th created by Planned Parenthood, which displayed pubic hair in the shape of animals and taught those students about the gender wheel, whatever that is. Then, the University of Colorado at Boulder is under fire this week for a statement on the Pride Office website stating that misgendering people can be considered an act of violence. Opposing viewpoints are now routinely declared, routinely declared to be violent which allows professors and students to rationalize their own acts of violence or censorship toward those who are attempting to stand for righteousness. When heaven becomes hell and hell becomes heaven. Virginia Tech's bias response and literature distribution policies have somehow managed to offend virtually every cardinal principle of First Amendment law, said a federal judge on Wednesday last week. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled two to one 
to uphold the university's bias-related incidence policies, which enable students to report each other for everything from jokes that are demeaning to a particular group of people to hosting a culturally themed party, along with a policy requiring students to obtain permission before distributing handouts. The circuit court judge, J. Harvey Wilkinson III, said the policy establishes a regime of comprehensive surveillance, liking it to a ministry of truth. So the writer of this article asked the question, how did it ever come to this? That was the judge's response. How did it ever come to this, that such a fine and distinguished university as Virginia Tech could institute a policy with such incipient incipient inquisitional overtones when it turns its campus into a surveillance state, yet they would exalt the whole LGBTQ agenda? A Florida-based trans activist group called the Queer Trans Project secretly shipped dozens of weapons and hundreds of sex change kits to children in 45 states across the country. They called it the Build a Queer Kits, containing artificial male genitalia, breast binders, condoms, tampax, tucking tape, and more. That work is to arm and protect black and brown trans folks, they say. Those kits allegedly contain a knife, taser, steel baton, pepper spray, and instructions on how to use each weapon. And priority was given to black prostitutes for the weapon kits. You see, exalting prostitution, protecting prostitutes, but not protecting purity for the rest of the society. And no parental consent was required to receive these kits. In fact, a video describing how minors could evade parental knowledge of a request for the kits in the name of privacy. The website says they are overwhelmed with orders for these kits. All designed to appear to younger, appeal to younger audiences. The Queer Trans Project also included on Instagram or TikTok accounts. Even the law itself has been sodomized. In fact, it's been totally distorted and perverted. A law school commencement speaker in New York, the city University of New York released a video on its May 12th commencement speaker who called law a manifestation of white supremacy. They initially hid the student speaker, uh, Fatima Mohammed's address, which advocated for revolution and expressed anti-Israel sentiments, only releasing it after public pressure. Mohammed concluded her speech by calling for revolution. She said, no one person will save the world. No single movement will liberate the masses. Those who brought the ferocity of the violence, those who carry the revolution, the people, the masses, this will carry this revolution, she said. The law school, New York, friends. And they want to talk about January 6th, insurrection? You've got to be kidding me. 
Protesters at the State University of New York at Albany worked to shut down conservative pundit Ian Hallworth in defiance of the Turning Point USA speaker's discussion on free speech on college campuses. The group shouted at one point, trans rights are human rights. The Turning Point USA-sponsored talk titled Free Speech on Campus was sent into a tailspin as, uh, tailspin as students hit Hallworth with insults and expressions of, quote, queer rage, unquote, filling the room. And this is supposed to be tolerance? One demonstrator even went so far as destroying an event attendee's Bible for no reason. Students kicked off their crocs and danced and screamed before eventually taking over the entire room. Hallworth said, college is now where the free speech goes to die. An LGBTQ coordinator for a Colorado school district trained nurses to keep a student's gender transition hidden from parents. On April 27th, Podre School District LGBTQ coordinator gave a presentation titled LGBTQIA plus considerations for PSD school nurses that taught the school's medical professions different gender transition vocabularies such as puberty blocker medicines, hormone therapy, top surgery, and chest binders. The training advised school nurses to ask, stu- uh, ask students what name and pronouns to use when calling home to ensure kids aren't put in a potentially unsafe situation. It's all, friends, about undermining parents and exalting and promoting perversion. Then finally, yesterday, it was revealed that sportswear sportswear giant Nike intends to celebrate Pride Month by hosting an interview with a surgeon who admits to perpetrating gender-affirming mastectomies on little girls disfiguring them for life. An internal Nike email was leaked to the public and announces a portion of Nike's campaign labeled, quote, Together We Are Undeniable, unquote. This year's theme is Together We Are Undeniable. The LGBTQIA plus community continues to fight for equality. The email signed by Heidi O'Neill, Nike's president, consumer, and marketplace. One part of the event will feature a panel discussion with Oregon Health and Science University surgeon, Dr. Blair Peters, who identifies as, quote, queer, unquote, reportedly an expert on gender reassignment operations. The article says, Join the Human Rights Campaign, Portland Community Football Club's Keg Leitner, and Trans Health Program's Dr. Blair Peters for a panel and question and answer to discuss policies impacting the transgender community. That's the email that was sent to Nike employees. Peters had several tweets in which he boasted about his gender-affirming surgeries said he performed gender-affirming mastectomies, that is, top surgeries for three young adults and adolescents. But the company Nike has a so-called family-friendly drag story time scheduled for June 13th, sponsoring a film entitled Changing the Game that pushes transgender athletes set to roll out its, quote, kids' one-fit, unquote, apparel 
for gender-inclusive children and another panel for which the topic is queer ecology. Nike has also announced it's donating $600,000 to six LGBT groups to push the agenda on schools and local communities. Even as Bud Light was first getting in trouble with customers for its brief partnership with transgender TikTok activist Dylan Mulvaney, the sportswear company was seen joining with a Memphis-based gay group to sponsor a queer youth field day sports event for people ages 13 to 25. Nike partnered with the TikTok influencer for an ad campaign where Mulvaney modeled Nike leggings and sports bras. But a woman jumped to her own TikTok account to eviscerate Nike for partnering with Mulvaney, urging women to join her burn bra challenge and burn their Nike sports tops in protest for hiring Mulvaney to flounce around in their product. So much, friends, for not slouching toward Gomorrah, as Dr. as uh, Judge Robert Bork wrote in 1996. But friends, we are in Gomorrah. We are in Sodom. And our companies, and indeed, gradually, over time now, our churches, our pastors, our parachurch leaders, and so on, are gradually accommodating themselves to what they feel is the pressure to pitch their tents towards Sodom as well. That's what's happening. So, can God save a nation like this? Can he? Would he? It's going to take more than 10 righteous for that to happen, friends. We're in deep trouble. And as Jesus said, unless we repent, we shall all likewise perish. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah. A serious message for serious times. We're on the near edge of the second coming. Are we ready? Don't answer too quickly. It's time to repent, to confess, to come clean, wherever we have found ourselves slouching toward Gomorrah and running toward Sodom. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It will help you immensely. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Become a partner, friends. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Make your generous gift right there on the website, saveus.org. Write to us, God bless, and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.